Hello, everyone. If you're watching this after the live stream, check the comments below for time codes. Ah! Should have sneezed before I started that, then realize it's the light. Sorry. Sorry if I just blew everything out. Um, I have this light on pretty bright because I have a dark shirt and it's pretty light out behind me. And I'm a sun sneezer. Uh, yeah, so if you, <laughs> we'll get started in a few minutes here. I'll say hi to folks. Uh, if you are watching this after the fact, note that there is time codes in the bottom. Uh, thanks to David for doing those. Uh, these streams are pretty long, so those are a great resource for uh, skipping around. Um, hello, JP Constantinel. Hello, Minnesota Mentat. Hello, David. Hello, MD Roberts. Hello, Unexpected Maker. Thank you all. Hello, Deshipu. Hello, Beata. And uh, Pierre, I said hi to you as well on the YouTubes, too. Ah, yeah, sun sneezing. <laughs> Looked at this bright light. But I like this shirt. I got it. I think I got it for Christmas. It's a 25th anniversary Tractor Tavern. Tractor Tavern's a local music venue here in Seattle, and Ballard in particular. I feel like my camera has shifted a little bit. Why is that? Am I just not sitting? Like if I position myself centered, I'm not in the middle of it. Maybe I knocked it. Better. These cables are pulling it. It's probably going to be too much. There we go. <laughs> Duke has a cat. There's kitty cam. Hello, 2231 puppy. Hello, retired wizard. Hello, Jane. Welcome back, Jane. Uh, hello, Paul. Hello, Duke and Aditya. Hey, Paul. On Discord and hello, Hams Labs. <laughs> I'm going to wait just a little while longer. Cat's moving to the sun. Just hanging out. Oh, to the kitty. This rough cat life that he leads. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a short week this week. <laughs> Spook definitely notices work days and not work days because he's up here regardless, but he gets confused if I don't come up here on the weekend. And a little sad, too, I think. All right, I got a, a little bit of a, a jump start here, so let's uh, let's let's kick it off. Let's let's get going. So <clears throat> I did really move that camera, didn't I? Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Scott, and I go by Tanute Online. Uh, I work for Adafruit based. Well, Adafruit is an open source software and hardware company based in New York City. Uh, but I work remotely for them, so I'm here in Seattle. And uh, I've been doing that for six years come August, so a while now, which is pretty wild. Um, 
they pay me to work on CircuitPython. So software side, CircuitPython is a version of uh, Python designed for microcontrollers. It's based on MicroPython. Um, and it's meant to be really, really easy to program computers to do what you want. So um, for example, this is a ESP32C3 board. And under this little metal thing, there's a little tiny computer that is the microcontroller. Um, so we work on that. We make it really easy to use. The C3 is a, a different a bit of a different beast than most of our boards, but most of our boards will show up as a CircuitPy drive that allows you to really easily easily edit code. If you want to support me, um, you can support me by supporting Adafruit by going to the URL. Or no, getting ahead of myself. Uh, by purchasing hardware uh, by Adafruit.com. Um, lots of cool stuff. Uh, lots of cutie cutie pies coming, which are great. I thought I had my not a cutie pie on my desk, but I don't see one. Um, they're great little boards um, for all sorts of projects. Um, that's just one example of what you can find at adafruit.com. Um, if you want to chat with me and a bunch of others throughout the week, um, <laughs> Tiger Bites impressed by the camera. Yeah, it worked well, even though it wasn't even. It's not even on product showcase mode. I just had to like cover my face. If I don't cover my face, it does eye tracking. But if I turn it off, so eye tracking's off, and you can see that. It's a little wider. You can see the top of my monitor, but now I can, even if my face is there, it knows that like it's in product mode. Uh, this camera's great. It's well been well worth the money. Um, it's a Sony ZV-1, in case you're going to ask. Um, okay, so yeah, if you want to chat with me and a bunch of others outside of this stream, uh, the stream chats kind of go away. What you can do is you can join um, the Adafruit Discord server by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Um, hop in there. We are in the live broadcast chat. Um, and that's what you can see in the middle right here is the live broadcast chat on Discord. Um, so this is a deep dive that happen every week, at least for the next six weeks or so. Um, normally Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, but occasionally shifted to Thursdays at 2 I don't really think we'll end up doing that. I should remove this uh, from my notes. That typically goes for two hours or more. We tend to just shoot for the two hours. And questions are welcome. We've got tons of time. Um, so if you have questions, I'm happy to try and answer them. Uh, even if I can't answer them, there's usually folks in the chat that know. Um, last up, all notes are available on GitHub with links into the videos. So uh, thank you to David and Patrick for uh, putting all of the notes. David takes the notes. And Patrick's been doing an awesome job getting those all in a central place uh, with links into these videos. They tend to be really long, so the video links are really helpful to like find a particular spot in a particular video. So thank you to Patrick and David for doing that. And uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, that's a deep dive notes. Uh, and I'll just paste that in the chats right now. <laughs> so there's a few more people I should say hello to. Hello, C. Grover. Um, hello, Tigerbite. Hello, Rich Sad. Hello, Dexter Starboard. Welcome. Um, and Bruce. I missed Bruce uh, in the YouTube chat as well. So hello, everybody. Um, OK, so let me double check that I've paused these videos, which I don't think I Oh, looks like I did. And I will scooch it down. 
What I was thinking we would do today is we could, well, if you have questions, answer, ask them. I'm happy to answer them. Uh, but then I was going to cover uh, CircuitPython 2022. I realized like right after my stream last week that I talked all about my version of it, but I hadn't covered like the other posts that folks have done. Um, hello, Mark. Um, so I think I'm going to shoot for like, say like we've got one more week and then, and then we'll be done with it. So if anybody has ideas about what CircuitPython should be, um, kind of longer term goals and things that you think that it would be cool that CircuitPython did, um, that's kind of what this planning is all about is saying like, Hey, like this long-term thing could be really neat. And we'll talk over a lot of those ideas today. Um, but I, I, and also, if you have questions, feel free to ask them. So uh, one thing I do is when I I I post all these blogs with this tag, um, and so you can see all the ones this year. But I also maintain a list at the bottom of all the posts I do. Um, so the first one that I wanted to just briefly talk about is I got. Ken emailed this into the, so there's a, there's an email circuitpython2022 at adafruit.com that goes to me and Phil, and then I blog it out, um, so that everybody can follow along. Um, <laughs> Hamslab says, it's nice that you now have a big variety of potentiometers. I have a friend who's getting started with analog audio circuits, and this is going to make things easier for her. Neat. I've not done a lot of that. I briefly touched on synth stuff, but haven't done a whole lot. Um, okay, so Ken sent this in for CircuitPython 2022. It's um, not super CircuitPython related, but wanted to point out this circuito.io, uh, which could be cool for folks. So it's a like prototyping, like put things on a on a virtual kind of project space and figure out how to wire everything together. Um, and they were asking, Ken was suggesting that we have um, Adafruit boards in there. So not super circuit Python-y uh, because it doesn't actually have to do with the, have to do with the circuit Python, but it's a neat idea anyway. So I blogged it up. Um, so that's the most recent circuit Python 2022 thing we've done. And now let's, I think, let's just go through and kind of from newest to oldest, um, what folks have been talking about. So Kevin here, um, who's done a lot of display IO stuff, uh, and also, um, oh, I see a question. <laughs> ah, what was the Discord? I'll give it to you. Adafruit.it slash Discord. Uh, Seagrover asks, uh, when debugging with print statements, is there a way to include the statement line number in the print string? In C, there is, I think, but not with Python that I know of. There might be, but I don't know it. Share screen. Ah, oh, thank you. I... <laughs> um, Yender asks, does CircuitPython have the ability yet to play simultaneous audio uh, via two-way files or foreground, background, maybe through a mixer. I, we do have a, we do have a mixer class that can mix 
audio from different sources. I'm not sure we've tried it with two WAV files at the same time. Um, moving the amount of data that WAV files is through the memory system when it hasn't been super optimized yet is, uh, is kind of a, uh, it's tough. It's really tough. Audio, I did a lot of the audio work a few years ago and it's, it's really not easy, not easy to work, work with. So it might work is my question or my answer. All right, Thomas has a question about a particular issue, so let me actually switch to the desktop. Thank you, Dexter Starbird, for pointing that out, that I wasn't showing my desktop. Um, oh. So Thomas is asking why uh, this issue is marked long-term. Um, it is returning the address for an existing connection. So um, I don't think that, I, I think this is a tricky thing to do. Um, and I don't, Okay, so let's talk about Beely. So Beely is where you're connecting to you're connecting one device to another. This the device that initiated the connections known as the central. The device that it connected to is called the peripheral. Peripherals will advertise that they can do something, and then that in, that is what the central uses to initiate the connection. Um, what Thomas is asking for is the ability to be connected to, uh, as a peripheral, be connected to multiple peripherals and be able to know which one you're setting HID codes to. Um, this is not something we handle well. Um, if we look at the Beely HID library, So the gist is we can only work on su stuff so much. So long-term is about like, yeah, it's a good idea, but none of us are going to work on it right now. Um, meaning, when, and when I say that, it's Adafruit prioritization, not like, if somebody fixed it for me, I would love that. Um, but kind of Jeff, Dan, and I are already working on stuff. Um, I don't remember if HID is here. So it's not, what does HID use? It's not as simple as just getting the, the Beely address of the central that you care about because um, I don't think, oh, well, yeah, so there's there's no current way. 
So this is how the report gets sent, just by setting the value. Um, it is, it's kind of antithetical to the way that the BLE GAT stuff is designed. The GAT is, it's this idea that you are a server of values and those values are the same to everyone. And so this idea that like you want to be able to do different values to different people that are reading your values, like different centrals are connected to you, is like not a simple change. Um, yeah, so it's there's that aspect to it, which is like it's it's not a simple thing to do, and therefore it has to get prioritized with other stuff that we're working on. Um, and the other stuff that we're working on is more important, uh, for us. And then the other thing is that I, and I posted this, um, oh, you want to disconnect the undesired centrals. Well, I think, yeah, I guess if you disconnect this, the undesired central, and then don't advertise, then they can't connect back to you. Um. <laughs> I think that it, it might be, it might be pretty simple. We could even look like just getting the Mac address for a particular connection might be pretty straightforward. So if we just go in ports, NRF, common hal, BLEIO, connection, a connection object, uh, gets whether it's paired, gets whether it's connected, you can disconnect it, you can initiate pairing, you can get the connection interval max packet length, set the connection interval, run discovery on it. Um, discover remote services. Yeah, so I don't think that it would be... <laughs> Thomas, I... Rep so there are a number of issues for those of you watching there are a number of issues about this um one approach is to determine the mac address of the thing that you're connected to and it would involve modifying this file and exposing another attribute on a connection the other thing that i've pointed out on the ble issue about this is that once you're connected there's usually a device info service that um is available to you so one of the confusing things about BLE is that there's the the notion of central and peripheral, but those are really roles that only they only matter for who initiates a connection. After they're connected, like both sides can provide services to the other side, and one of the one of the services or servers that um, one of the services that the central can provide to the peripheral is called device info service, which says um is a way for you to get like oh i'm connected 
this connection that I'm talking to is an iPhone. Um, so I think that you should look into device info service because that is going to give you a human readable version of what you're connected to. It's not just going to give you a MAC address. And I tried to point that out, I think, on the BLE issue about this. So if we look at not file transfer. remember where it was I saw I see it in my email and I respond there um, but I would I would recommend in in addition to talking about this Mac address stuff look into device in, info service I think that's what you actually want um, and you should be able to do that I don't know of any examples so this is this is off the beaten path but you should be able to do that without any changes to the core circuit Python basically once you once you have a for every connection get the device info service from the thing that you're connected to and see what device it is. It's only really going to break down if there's no like serial number that you can get that way and you're connected to two of the same thing. But I think that's probably not what you're talking about. Um, okay, let's let's keep going. I know you're I can tell you're frustrated, but we have a lot of people wanting to do a lot of different things and we have to be able to prioritize between them all. Um, going back to the two wave files thing, Mark said it tried it. Foamy guy said it, I did manage to get it working for small stuff. Um, on the Arduino side it's not in the HIDs on the connection object. Right on the BLE connection object. Huh. Ham's lab has a way to get a line number. JP says, Mac address is what I do to manage profiles in blue micro BLE. Yeah, I'm open to adding it, but. Hello, Andrew. All right, let's keep going. All right, Eli's got a question. It says, hey, I was working with the analog in features on a Cutie Pie 2040, and when I tied the pin I was reading from to ground on the board, it was giving me a value other than zero around 160. Is this normal? Um, yes. I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't actually know. I would have to look into it. There are weird things where pins are not the same. Like ground references are not the same. But I don't know. Um, feel free to file an issue, Eli, about that. And we could have other people look at it into it too. Uh, Thomas, it sounds like you're frustrated. That's that's why I was thinking that. Hello, Adam. Okay, Unexpected Maker says, Hey, Scott, just grabbed and built the latest CircuitPy for S3. Doesn't boot on any of my S3 boards. No issue. Copy it over. Seems okay. Restarts, never mounts. No error on your zero output. Uh, it was broken yesterday for a little while, I think, and then I fixed it, and maybe it's broken again. A lot's changing. But when you mean latest, I like triple check that it's like not a two couple days old. Um, okay, let's go through this circuit Python twenty two stuff. So Kmatch uh, posted this stuff about both twenty two and twenty one. Um, twenty one highlights birth of the bitmap tools and core. Starting with RotoZoom and growing, yay. Uh, added graphical widgets for displays and touch response. Um, widgets, button switch, progress bar, dial gauge, Cartesian graph, and flip input icon. And then display I.O. layout to simplify widget layout. Hmm. Um, Kevin says, I see growing use of examples for vector I.O., an awesome set of tools for graphical shapes, a learn guide on optimizing CircuitPython memory use, and tangential to CircuitPython, demo the tiny logic friend, a logic analyzer running on Cortex-M4 that connects to SIGROC for analyzing I2C and things. I think that, um, yeah, Kmatch is totally right. Kmatch was one of the core people on the... Um, display AO side of things. It's been really awesome. Um, and then for 22, introductory examples of graphical widgets and input response handling. Uh, more cool widgets and expansion of vector AO examples. Um, yeah, Kmatch has been an awesome part of display AO widget stuff. Foamy guys done a lot as well. Um, and it's been really nice because <laughs> I've kind of moved past it. I'm working on other stuff. And so it's really cool to see it being really mature with, with all the work that these folks are doing. Um. <laughs> all right. And then reasonably priced capacitive multi-touch capable display. The super flat display interface and board. I know that the Espresso folks released the HMI board, but I'm not sure whether that counted or not. I feel like I looked this up when Kmatch posted this too. So yeah, that's cool. I think all the, the graphics stuff is going really cool places, I, um, and it's not something I'm working on. Okay, 
Next up, we have actually these are these are first the first people that posted. I said I was going newest to oldest, but it's actually oldest to newest. Um, this is from Jeff Epler, who works for Adafruit on CircuitPython. Um, some of the goals I proposed for 21 have been accomplished, like <laughs> support at least one new microcontroller family. And like we talked about last week, uh, we knew that RP2040 was coming. Uh, partially addressed the problem of time required to build CircuitPython core. We talked about that before. CircuitPython and BundleFly greatly eased problem of gathering items. In Learn, we've got more syst systematic about how programs and their assets are organized. And the Bluetooth workflows in the wild and people are using it, such as the PyLeap app for Apple phones. At a personal level, I accomplished one of the goals I listed, including 3D stuff. Um, some stuff we started but want to keep doing is uh, continue to help people grow, grow into roles of reviewer and contributor, which is totally important, and we should do that. Um, and then there's, there's more room for how-to video content with CircuitPython. Some big pieces of progress we made that I didn't even anticipate but wish I had were getting up to date with MicroPython and then continuing to merge in new releases, releasing async IO support for CircuitPython, and adding type stubs to the core and types to many libraries in the bundle. In 22, uh, Jeff looks forward to implementing new drivers for hardware I hadn't dreamed of working on, like old DOS floppy drives. Adapting algorithms into CircuitPython, let's do more image processing or maybe start doing audio processing, and finding small efficiency improvements and firmware size savings when they're needed. Uh, I, want, I want to both learn more about and improve AsyncIO. Personal project goal would be to have an interactive display that continues to update and respond to input even while doing Wi-Fi requests, um, which is a great goal. And looks forward to hearing from everybody else. <laughs> Beata says, heart async IO. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. I'm not the right person to do it, but I'm excited that folks are working on it. Um, all right, next up we got something from RS Bone, who says, for CircuitPython 22, um, for the Broadcom ports, I would really like to have an onboard editor, something simple that would allow for standalone coding beyond what you can do on the REPL. I would also like to explore the possibilities and limitations of MIDI on CircuitPython. And Gmeter commented as well about MIDI on CircuitPython. Yes. And also, I would love USB host capability to add to CircuitPython. So common, inexpensive MIDI controllers that only have a USB cable could be used. Yeah, this is something that I uh, I mentioned before in my CircuitPython 22 is like I would love to see us start to support USB host. I think USB has been so beneficial for us doing well in CircuitPython that host would be as well would be really beneficial. Um, yeah, unexpected maker. We can get into the ESP stuff after I go through here. I just wanted to cover it. different topics. Okay, so Kay Sprayberry says a big long thing that was uh, basically talking about how our our networking stuff doesn't isn't cross-compatible that well. 
Um, and then furthermore, it would be nice to have the libraries support multiple SSIDs. Um, like secrets.py now, um, I think, only supports kind of one set of credentials. Um, whereas multiple different SSIDs would allow you to move it uh, different places. So that's on the forum. And it's a great tidbit as well, I think. And let's see. This is, oh, this is the comment here. Uh, Matt said, for 22, I'd like to see more information and tutorials on the WIO and the ESP32 S3 box. Um, first, working with them locally and then utilizing Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So one of these is really easy and one of them is really hard. The WIO terminal has a separate coprocessor for it. That's going to be really hard, but the S3 box does not. And so I would kind of expect it on the S3 box, but not on the WIO. Um, all right. Hems Lab is going to look at Bluetooth MIDI on the ESP32 soon. Yeah, onboard editor for CircuitPython like PyBasic. Yeah, but I think you need USB host. I think it's it's more interesting once you have USB host. So Pierre's got this really long uh, overview of both Blue Micro and then CircuitPython. So I'm not going to show it all. Um, if you want to look at this stuff and follow along, you can check out the blog. Um, this is a really detailed post about uh, some all all things Bluetooth, I think. Um, but let's here's the CircuitPython 22 section. Um, lots of focus on keyboards. Um, it'd be nice to support keypad extensions um, or GPIO expanders. Um, I think natively is I think what uh, Pierre is talking about. Um, key matrices that don't have anti-ghosting diodes. And make your own seesaw. Ah, very useful to be able to create your own seesaw device using CircuitPython. Yeah, so that would mean implementing I2C peripheral, which we have in some places, but not all not everywhere and then split keyboards which i have one of and I, I i was thinking again today i need to finish getting it going um but the rp2040 has the problem that the uart is only on certain pins um, but i actually did add pio uart support um so i did let i did let pierre know that And then very deep sleep. Yeah, that stuff's really tricky. More filtering on circuitpython.org. I agree that would be good. I think this is interesting. Um, RISC-V is not quite the same as these cores are. Right, RISC-V is really the API, and then the implementation is a particular core. So, like, I forget what the name is, but, like, in the ESP32C3, which has a RISC-V core, it's got, like, a name for the core itself. Um, it's not just RISC-V. RISC-V is the API, like, the interface, the standard API that, that the CPU implements. 
Um, whereas like these ARM Cortex ones implement like ARM v7, ARM v7m, for example. But yeah. And Awesome Circuit Python improvements. Uh, both the website and the Awesome Circuit Python are open for pull requests, so I'd love to see, um, love to see people edit that. Um, yeah, Foamy Guy points out that folks in the Discord chat are talking about um, small editors, and then Foamy Guy points out that Kmatch already made a basic one. Tigerite says it would be funny to use a canned featherwing to network a split keyboard. Yeah, I was looking at that a little bit, see how people do it. I squared C and spy peripheral every now and then. I'm not sure exactly what spy peripheral means. You know, one of the tricky things with native CircuitPython APIs is figuring out how to make, how to insulate the CircuitPython code from like real time constraints. Not, I think it's pretty tricky with Spy. Um, okay, so that's Pierre's post. Um, Blake has a few short ones. Overclocking added to CircuitPython. I think that could be really interesting. How we do it exactly is tricky. The clocks that go to cores tend to have other things clocked by them, and so that can make it really tricky to do um, tricky to do dynamically which people usually want, um, but it's probably more worthwhile putting time into, into making sleep states lower power than, than worrying about overclocking, but I could be wrong. Um, Blake BR also says, add a feature where CircuitPython gives test results telling whether CircuitPython in use is loaded to the proper platform. Um, that can be pretty tricky because it's hard to know what board you're on from the like microcontroller's perspective. That's why we have different builds. Um, because the microcontrollers don't actually know what board they're on. That could be tricky. I mean, if it's spy peripheral is somewhat like PIO, then like we could potentially add that to other stuff. Um, list of platforms of interest for CircuitPython 22. Oh, let people log into the site and only see builds for those certain things. Um, that's a lot more complicated than the site is right now, right? Like CircuitPython.org is all static. Um, so yeah, it's a neat idea to be able to do that. And I've heard some things about like a my adafruit page maybe we could integrate it there instead okay let's keep going so retired wizard says oh yeah this is interesting intuitive flash file system commands adding it to the REPL. Maybe we have like a FS module, but we don't want to get away from like what is proper Python, unfortunately. Um, ways of dealing with sensitive data. 
Yeah, that can be tricky. I think there's those like I squared C things that store secrets. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's going to be a really interesting world where um, when we get to the point of having USB host and having CircuitPython kind of like standalone. All right, M. Lewis says, um, I would like limited multi-core access to the second core on CircuitPython for the RP2040. It's okay if it's just C and C++, but it would be cool to have a way to like communicate back and forth. And I asked a follow-up about how you would do memory and stuff and didn't hear back. I think it's really tricky. I think multi-core is really tricky. <laughs> Ryan says, if any of your viewers could please, please take up I2C peripheral support for the RP2040, I would be grateful. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing is, is that we've already established an API for it, so it wouldn't be quite as hard to implement. Ham's Lab says, I wonder if some company will design architectures for RISC-V and license those. 100%, I think that's going to happen. I2C is really the one that most would ask for, as it doesn't need many wires. <laughs> yeah, so what I would do, if I were to do I2C peripheral, I would find the port that it's already implemented in, duplicate that code into the port I wanted to support it in. So that's going to be all your common HAL functions. And then delete it all, delete all the implementations and then re-put it in. <laughs> Not directly CircuitPython related, but you ever see those Lego sites where you can catalog all of your Legos and then they tell you you can build with what you have? That would be kind of neat for Adafruit Learn system. That would be pretty neat. In fact, TigerBright, you should link to the Lego thing because I'd be curious. I'd be curious to see that. Um, I don't have any Legos here, but I imagine a future where I have Legos. So that sounds really handy. Um, and yeah, I think like Adafruit already keeps track of what you bought. So we could do things like that of like, here's all the learn guides that you could build with the things you bought. I think that'd be neat. Um, I, I think the proper way to suggest that is to actually email support with the idea, support at adafruit.com and give them that idea. I think it's a good one, especially if we're doing this, like my Adafruit sort of idea, that could be a great place for it. Like here's a new guide, and you already have all the new all all of the stuff. Okay, so what John says is it would be a good idea to generalize the event system used by Keypad, so in other core modules, would we'll be able to deliver events in a common queue. And Dan says, take a look at this guide. I agree that we could generalize it. 
I don't know. I think the async stuff is, is early days still. We'll see. And then this is... Um, <laughs> build an Amiga in CircuitPython. Better camera video input support. Yeah, camera's gotten a long ways this year, but there's a long ways to go still. SN, SNMP. Yeah, this is Phil's wanting to do like video mixing stuff. Is what he said for CircuitPython 22. Which is pretty tricky. Okay. So Ask Patrick W said, did kind of a, a recap of goals. Uh, or wait, has new CircuitPython 22 uh, Requirements and design of a system to use CircuitPython as a basis for a camper van or RV or boat monitoring, tracking, and alert, alerting system. And then second, a 3D mouse. Uh, design a 3D CAD mouse that will work with Fusion 360. This might also be called a jog wheel. And then for 21, CircuitPython secrets. Uh, not clear how we could get an os.get environment environment stuff going. Package management. Circuit made big leaps this year and is working well enough. I do think long-term the download the zip file approach becomes too fragile and too hard to centrally manage, but it works great for now. And then circuit by then cameras. The notes I put together focused on higher-end camera capabilities. Adafruit did create camera libraries, which will work in the lower-resolution cameras, but nothing high-resolution that I'm aware of. With CircuitPython on the Raspberry Pi, I wonder if it can find a path forwards. The high-quality camera with a 12.3 megapixel Sony IMX477 camera, or a sensor. Yeah. There's a lot of work that could go there still. Um, if it showed all the learn guides for what I bought, it would be a long list for some of us. <laughs> yeah. I think a future collaboration between Adafruit and Lego would be pretty awesome, and Lego is very specific, and the correct term is Lego bricks, not Legos. Well, I am not an official Lego person, am I? Uh, I think it's tricky to I think it's tricky to collaborate with Lego because they want uh, NDAs and long timelines, from what I've heard. Um, Hamsab says Python threading is pretty weak. It, it really should be able to handle multiple cores and do real-time multitasking. I've always wondered why this hasn't happened. I think I have a lot to do. Oh, this is an issue with mainline Python. Uh, that's part of the reason it hasn't done in CircuitPython is like mainline Python still all, all this multitasking stuff is pretty young in, in regular Python. So there's not like a, a de facto, de facto implementation that we just crib. Um, and it's all been network driven as well um, in CPython. And then in CircuitPython, it's always come down to like, do we spend our time doing multi-core multi-processing that very, very few people are going to use? Or do we add a new chipset support, which then Adafruit can sell? Or do we add support for new peripherals, which then we can also sell? Um, 
like it's it's just not used by that many people I don't think um, uh, we covered mine last week so let's skip over that uh, we're almost done and then I want to talk about ESP stuff hopefully unexpected makers still around I did a random smattering of things this week that we can talk about um, so Anne, who does the newsletter for us, says, Things I'd like to explore in 22. A handheld CircuitPython device. The keyboard Featherwing by Arturo128182 is fantastic. And this kind of gets into the, like, onboard experience. Um, how do you do it kind of all together? Anne also wrote PS2 keyboard support, um, which actually we do have a PS2 I.O. that people contributed. And then third, and said USB host support, uh, which is also neat. Okay, unexpected maker. We're about there. Um, Anne also says uh, new home with nodes for sensors, likely networked over Ethernet. Wiznet has some nice Pico-based boards. Look to ensure networking maybe a dozen net remote nodes of the central Ethernet CircuitPython device running CircuitPython would be excellent. I love the RetroTech interfacing. I do work on IBM PC and XT computers, perhaps AT. I love to use CircuitPython to make floppy controllers, USB to serial adapters, Wi-Fi adapters, and much more. Um, beefy microcontroller or Raspberry Pi Zero devices, but prefer microcontrollers to avoid Linux overhead. Such an untapped field. There's so much RetroTech that could use some love, and CircuitPython is a fabulous tool. Yeah, I think some of the retro tech stuff would be really neat, too. Let's see. <laughs> Rich says, I support your thinking on the multi-core stuff, Scott. I would use it, but if I had to, had to I could use C++ or MicroPython. Uh, HamsLab also points out, once things move forward more with multi-core ARM chips, there will be more demand for this. And Dylan agrees, too. I should always say... He if anybody wants to add multi-core stuff to CircuitPython, I'm open to it. Um, I'm not going to say no to it. I'm just saying I'm not doing it myself. Bye, Rich. Enjoy your Thai food. Cams says, most developers mess up multi-threaded code. Too much of it is non-intuitive and really easy to get wrong, creating some really difficult and obscure issues to debug. 100%. I agree with you. I think it would be cool. I think one of the first cool uses for multi-core could be like this audio playback stuff that we're talking about could really potentially benefit from being on a second core and then um microlab ulab is like super helpful and it's all about number crunching and that's if you're doing number crunching like i could imagine a world where where microlab itself go uses both cores just to like crunch numbers faster i think would be really cool um, but that doesn't mean that like Python has access to it. It's just like something that internally we'll just use to to speed things up. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see it, but it could be a support nightmare. Yeah, I'm already cracking open a support nightmare with these chips that don't have native USB. I am understanding that I'm doing that. CPython, there are attempts to do better multi-threaded, but among issues, I read that the CPython core team said they sh 
would reject any multi-threading solution that caused any reduction in single-threaded performance. Um, yeah, and Dexter just points out, if you want multi-core, just use multiple feathers. That's true, too. And I think it, the other thing I was going to say is that it's important to think about um, concurrency as more than just multi-core. Um, because I think, in general, CircuitPython does a pretty good job of trying to utilize other peripherals to do work concurrently. Um, so there's that. It's it's important to note that it you know PIO is an obvious example because it's running like its own assembly code, but like doing DMA to an audio output like that's concurrency. It's just not CPU concurrency. Um, <laughs> Hamslab says, "Oh man, I'm all about digital audio. Maybe this just moves up a bit on my list." I'm working on an audio in out feather wing, so this makes a lot of sense for me to look into. Yeah, um, our inspiration for the audio stuff has always been Paul Paul Stoffergren's teensy audio stuff. We're not there yet. We don't. We can't compete with like it. Paul did a great job, um, but we we were. It's it's got too many Arduinoisms to just use straight up. In JavaScript, other core stuff is sort of in a separate VM and passes messages with main. Yeah, I was thinking about if we did multi-core stuff in CircuitPython, we could treat it more like multi-processing than um, than like threading, where it's like two copies of CircuitPython that are independent and only have this like FIFO between them, for example. Tammy makes things says, I'll try to do a CircuitPython 22 post this weekend, but after a pandemic related layoff and a serious health crisis last year, I'm trying to get back to CircuitPython and making in 22. One thing I'm planning to start doing in the next month or so is make CircuitPython streaming on Twitch. I'll keep the community posted. Yeah, please do. We'd love to see more CircuitPython streams. They, there was also just an announcement of a new CircuitPython podcast from Paul, uh, Paul Cutler, who's in Discord. And I'm going to be on. It's going to be out in a few months, I think. So not immediately, but will be. It sounds like it's going to be really cool. Keith says that Microlab extension to do number crunching would be neat, but yeah, implementing it would be a sport nightmare. Hams Lab says Paul's audio library is great, 100%. Hello, Bryson. Rebrickable.com. Thank you, Tigerbyte. Retired Wizard says, uh, I played with the mi MicroPython multi-core a few months ago and it wasn't stable and the communication between threads was really weak. There was no w way to easily talk between threads. Yeah. Linux203 says, Adafruit requests and Adafruit at mini MQTT would be nice to be threaded. So I don't... Threaded in the threaded sense, <laughs> I don't think we're going to do, but... Um, I think that for async IO work we're going to do in, in 22, I, th I think that MQTT and HTTP are definitely things that we want to think about doing. All network stuff is like very, benefits a lot from, from async IO. So I think like there's AIO HTTP is like the standard, kind of like the, one of the main standard libraries it's the equivalent of requests, but for the async I.O. world in Python. So I wouldn't be surprised if one thing we tried to do is like make a library like this for CircuitPython that 
that allows you to use async IO for networking. I don't know what the mini or the MQTT version of that is, but I think that's probably the most likely async IO stuff that we're going to be doing. Yeah, Dexter Starboard says, yeah, awaitable networking would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty likely in, in 22, if I had to guess, especially as we're going further into the ESP ecosystem this year. All right, Mark Mark says on said on Twitter and also goes by Gambler on Discord. For CircuitPython 22, um, so one good thing for me comes from the last two years. It's how I fell into this community. What started as a tool for my random projects morphed into me opening the hood to see what made CircuitPython tick and my first true open source contributions. I didn't contribute as much as I wanted in 21 during doing reviews when I had the time and energy. My highlight would be incorporating support for the IS31 FL3741 LED driver into the core of CircuitPython, allowing Arduino-like speeds from Python. So what's next for 22? I had no set plans, but I've always wanted to experiment with multi-core support, which is what we're talking about, uh, for the RP2040 and how MicroPython allows native MPY files to be imported and how that could work for power users of CircuitPython. Um, but really, I just want to keep providing meaningful, meaningful contributions, assist, assisting others where I can, and watching this amazing community grow. Uh, thank you, Mark. <laughs> and also, uh, almost forgot, I designed my first board with a microcontroller, the ESP32-S2 in 21. It was amazingly quick uh, to get CircuitPython running on it. The board is very much a work in progress, but seeing my own board run CircuitPython was pretty wild. I can relate to that. Uh, does Whippersnapper use MQTT? Uh, I'm not sure. Brett, Brett would know. Um. <laughs> Circuit Python show tweet. Um, it, CareString points out that HTTPX is another one. There's a couple async HTTP libraries. <laughs> And Mark says, when I never have to type the IS31FL3741 again, I'll be happy. I can relate to you. I can relate to that. Um, all right. So last up, we have uh, just a quick thing from Mark S, uh, who just emailed in and said, uh, I'll summarize, was basically wanting to encourage us to be more sciencey in our projects. Um, they talk about earth science projects and botany, mycology, habitat monitoring, crop science, pollution detection, and quantification, climate change research, just to name a few. Um, I think one of the challenges with this stuff is just like doing hardcore sciencey projects requires hardcore sciencey people. And I don't know necessarily know that there's a lot of folks at Adafruit or who work with Adafruit that do that stuff. So I'd say that if you're in this category of like very uh, hard sciences oriented folks and you have projects, like reach out to us, show, show them on show and tell, and then maybe we could get projects built off of that. All right. I think that's it for CircuitPython 22. So I know there's a number of you watching. And if you haven't posted anything, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts about what you'd like to see in 22 uh, for CircuitPython. Uh, as we talked about... <laughs> Last week, for me personally, it's going to be a weird year because I'm going to be taking 18 weeks off uh, because we're expecting our first child. 
which is exciting. So uh, it's not not work I'm going to be doing necessarily. Um, but I think the cool thing is, is we have a community of people working on stuff. And by talking about these longer term things, like there's a number of folks in the Discord chat and the YouTube chat who want to see like multi-core, like you can imagine those folks getting together and working on multi-core together. Um, and last year, the folks that were working on all the graphics stuff is a great example of that as well. Um, so I think that's a cool way to do it. <laughs> and I think that's why like these annual planning things are important. Baby time. Yep. Looks like Whippersnapper does use MQTT. <laughs> I'm bad about writing up projects too. Hello, Oats and Honey. And Maiko, I don't think I said how to you either. Hopefully I said that right. Okay, we're an hour in. We got an hour left, um, so let's switch gears into ESP land. Does that sound good? I'll take a talking break and drink some water. If folks have questions, I'm I'm still very much open to questions, obviously. Hmm. Seagrover says, for STEM use, it would be nice to have a standard data storage and automation protocol supported in CircuitPython. What do you mean by automation protocol? Data storage, there was, um, there was some interesting stuff in MicroPython done for SQLite, which I think would be really neat. I'm a huge fan of SQLite. Um, it gives you all the power of SQL without having to run a separate service, <laughs> which I like. All right, let's do ESP. So it was a short week for me in the US here. We had Monday off, so I didn't get a lot done. My main overarching project is I'm working on adding BLE support to the ESP, uh, to the Espressif port. So the Espressif port was originally done for the ESP32 S2, which is the first ESP chip that had native USB. Um, and then Microdev did a lot of work to generalize it. So now it's um, C3 and S3 as well. And we actually want to add ESP32 support um, in the future too. Simi Makes asks, how many cores are on the ESP32 S3? There's two main cores. And then there's, I think there's also a low power core. So three technically. Um, so the way that we have it set up right now with CircuitPython is that the the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth stacks should run on the Pro Core, which is short for Protocol Core, which is Core Zero, and then CircuitPython should run on the second core, Core One, um, along with Tiny USB should run there as well. Um, so that's yeah, two two is the answer that people will mostly think of. We don't use the third one. Scientific instrument control, like IEEE four eight eight. Yeah, I just I think the science C stuff is just like I've never 
gotten into the the weeds with that stuff. I think it's better, probably better served by people who know it better. Um, so creating CircuitPython issues is a great way to find other people to work on stuff like that with. I've been known to make my own standards. I'm guilty of that. Um, okay, so branches-wise, uh, if you want to follow along with the BLE work that I've been doing, um, the best way is to go into my Tanute CircuitPython and then look at active branches. Um, and you can actually see I have a lot of active branches right now. Um, I've been doing a lot of random stuff. But there's this ESPBLE, ESPBLE, and I they made it harder to compare the branch against the other stuff. Um, but the the gist of where I'm at with ESPBLE <laughs> support is I did what I was suggested for the I squared C peripheral stuff earlier, which is you take an existing implementation. So I took the B underscore BLEIO implementation for NRF and I duplicated it into the Espressif port and then I deleted as much as I possibly could. Um, all the stuff that was like specific to NRF and then I worked to get it compiling on the ESP. Um, and the reason that I was am taking that approach, I didn't get as far as I wanted to, but the reason I'm taking that approach is that I'd like to get it compiling even if it doesn't work so that as I add things that I think should work, I can test them, right? The other way that I could do it is I could like take all this NRF code, replace it with what I think is the right code, and then just work to get it all working all at once. And that's a good recipe for not being able to <laughs> complete anything. Um, so... It was it was interesting even because I there was a few things that I just like switched a little bit. Um, Hamslab's suggesting get beyond compare. It does nice things with Git. I actually have um, I play I pay for Sublime Merge, so if we want to look here, we could do that. Um, so like here's ESPBLE. These are the this is the last commit I made for it. Um, here you can see that this is like I duplicated the files, I deleted more stuff, I made compilation fixes. So I had to do things like, you know, add more headers. And then what I was working on yesterday was I actually had to tweak like the CMake lists file and the make file to actually get the libraries linked in. Um, I really like the Sublime stuff. So I, use Sublime Text and Sublime Merge was a pretty obvious thing to do as well. Pierre says, how much power does the ESP32 S3 use with BLE no Wi-Fi? Uh, assuming Wi-Fi will take a whole lot more. I have no idea. Maybe Unexpected Maker knows, but uh, I haven't gotten there yet. It doesn't work yet, so I can't tell you. <laughs> I have no idea. Probably not as good as NRF, because NRF is quite good. Um, but having BLE and Wi-Fi on the same chip is going to be pretty nice. Like, I have... I did this... When I did BLE a while ago, I did broadcast net, which was this idea of, like, you can take NRF boards and scatter them around your house, and they'll advertise sensor readings out, and then you have 
in in the broadcast net guide, it's it's Raspberry Pis that are listening to the BLE traffic and then using Wi-Fi to write it to wherever you care about. So I'm really excited to be able to switch that from Raspberry Pi to just uh, ESP32 S3s or even C3s. Um, very inexpensive things that could bridge. But then again, like if they're so inexpensive, you could just use Wi-Fi directly as well. Um, what I, I usually use, thinking more about Hams Labs, talking about merge here. What I like Sublime Merge for is actually, it's a great, if I'm, I do printf debugging. And so this Sublime Merge is a great way for me to find all the printfs and just revert them. So you can do things like drag this and say, revert these lines. Unexpected Maker doesn't know power consumption numbers either. It's all early days. Um, so yeah, don't know. <laughs> Carestring says, in my experience, Wi-Fi is pretty power hungry. My ESP8266 drained AAA, AA batteries as if they were Jaeger shots on spring break. <laughs> yeah. And the standard Lady Ada answer is, if you care about power, you should uh, measure it yourself with the, the PPK2. I have one. Uh, that is the tool I use. I don't know where it is. It's not under my desk like I thought it was. Um, Love the Factory asks, are there any examples of in CircuitPython doing double buffering, aka glitch-free bucket logging, maybe via M2M? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by that, unfortunately. Uh, DCD says, speaking of power consumption, how well does the Nordic power tool work with measuring other processors' power usage? So the PPK2 is, is designed to measure power flowing through it, not, it's, not, a, not the power itself. It's, it's got, where is it? I know I have one, and it's, I thought it was under here. Oh, here it is. Let me show it. Time for this, and I'll switch views. Yeah, so the, these run like $100, um, and they are actually just an NRF52840. You can see it here. Um, but... They got a nice diagram here where they show you there's just four header pins here for power in and power out. And then it measures how much power is going through that. Um, and then there's actually like you can do pin capture on a logic port as well. Um, and you can see USB data and power and then also USB power only. Um, and then this is like a, this window gets lit up by like RGB LEDs. Um, but yeah, there, it's been really great. I was using it when we did the ESP 32 S2 low power stuff. This is the tool that I was using for that. I have a more expensive, um, jewel scope that I got, but it's like $700. So the PPK two is just a great deal. Um, it's a great deal. And it, it was totally 
totally enough for what I was working on. So yeah, if you need if you need power stuff, then it's then it's really really helpful. People are like, "What can I expect for this power consumption?" And it's like, there's so many variables that you just need to you need to measure it. Um, Thomas asks, "Do you have any information if there are NRF52840 successors on the horizon with more RAM memory?" Um, I would not expect more stuff in the NRF52840 family because they actually do have the next generation of Nordic chips already out. Um, the NRF5340, I think is what it is. I think this is their, the, the newer Nordic stuff. Um, let's see what it's got. So it's a dual core Bluetooth 5.3 sock supporting Bluetooth LE, Bluetooth mesh, NFC. It, and it is uh, 512K RAM. It's two processors. One is 512K RAM and the other is 64K RAM. Um, so yeah, we, we know what the next generation NRF stuff is and we haven't really gone, we haven't added support for it partly because um, NRF has, nor oh, desktop, sorry, thank you. <laughs> we need to figure out how to have the chat control what screen it on, right? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the, as far as I know, this series is the newer generation of Nordic chips, um, the NRF. 5340. Um, I'm not sure you can get them. Um, I think they are more expensive. Um, but one of the reasons we don't support this is they stopped doing the Nordic soft device support. And they, they're moving towards Zephyr is my understanding. And we don't have Zephyr support in CircuitPython. Um, so yeah. There's a newer Nordic chip already out with more memory, but we don't currently we don't currently support it. And then this 9160 is uh, uh, cellular. Oh, but the 5340 does LE audio. But yeah, you can see it's the 53 series versus the 52 series. Pierre says the 5340 haven't seen any modules or anything using them. Did that say dual M33s? Yes. Dual M33s. My understanding is that the Cortex M33 is like a successor kind of of the M4. Um, you could also use one of the INA breakout boards. I think that I my understanding is the the reason that the PPK two is nice is that it's the software on it's written to be able to do very high dynamic currents, um, and I don't if you just use a breakout board I'm not sure they do that well. Um, 
Right, the 5340 is dual core, one for the radio, one for your stuff. And Ham's Lab linked to an Andreas Spies video on ESP32 low power. <laughs> the PPK has an NRF52, not not 5340, I think it's a uh, 52840. And why didn't they expose Bluetooth connectivity? That would include having to make an app for it, probably. And you can't get as much data over Bluetooth as you can over USB. <laughs> Unexpected Maker says, I get asked every week on my Discord, how big a battery will I need on the Tiny Pico to last eight hours? That's it. No other info drives me back crazy. Yeah. Ryan says, the second core is basically just a built-in HCI adapter, so if you can get the IPC to work on bare metal, you don't need Zephyr. Oh, you know what? Um... That reminds me, Ryan, one of the reasons I'm excited to be working on BLE for the ESP chips is that they have two host controller uh, host implementations. They use BlueDroid for the ESP32 because it does classic Bluetooth, but then they use Nimble. And Nimble is this kind of grew up at the same time as Zephyr and really hasn't quite taken off, but it's a lot more separated than the rest of the system. Um, so Nimble is another open source uh, stack, and I was looking, and they do actually have NRF5340 uh, support. So if we look in Apache, Minute, Nimble, like they added uh, support for the NRF5340. Um, so I'm hoping what would be really ideal is we get ESP BLE working. It's actually using, it's using Nimble. It's not so, not very ESP specific. And then potentially, hopefully, we can then maybe swap out soft device for the 53 or the 52840 and the 833 and just use Nimble kind of for both Nordic and ESP. And then Nimble has support for the 5340. Um, which would mean that we can then, um, we would be able to support that new chip as well, which would be cool. <laughs> Tierra says, I get the same questions for wireless keyboards. How big a battery drives me nuts too? Yeah. Yep. It's a tough problem. And batteries change too. The PPK2 is great, though, because prior to that, the best out-of-the-box solutions were like $600 to $800, and the PPK2 is only um, $100. I don't know if we have any in stock. No, we don't. So you could subscribe to this. But yeah. They're a very handy tool if you, carry, if you care about power consumption. Um, okay, so we've talked about ESP BLE. We've gotten sidetracked by Nordic chips. Um, so if you want to follow along, uh, this ESP BLE branch is where I'm doing the work. 
Um, I've gotten it, all the inner Nordic stuff stripped out and I got it uh, compiling, which is great. Um, and <laughs> yeah, Pierre says, and then they want RGB for every key and they use a lot of power. Yep. Yeah. Um, Dylan asks, how, uh, how, about how much does it cost to 3D print slash machine slash injection mold something? There is no more info than that provided, not even a rough object size. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good teaching moment. It's a good teaching moment, and it takes patience. I'm very thankful for all the people on our Discord who have more patience than I do um, to answer questions like this. So thank you all for helping helping people learn. Um, okay, so for this ESP Beely stuff, it compiles. I had to figure out how to get the linking right because I did actually change a few things to actually start calling into Nimble. Um, so that was really good. And then the next steps for that is there's like advertising and scanning are the next things I'm going to do. Ooh, Tigerbyte says Digikey has a bunch of PPK2s in stock. Um. <laughs> is it me not following closely or has it been a long time since a new product was leaked in the stream and turned and then turned sold out in less than an hour? Yeah, I don't think I talked about new products recently on the stream. We did have Lady o Lady Ada on last week, but um, PPK twos are at DigiKey and at Mouser. So if you're doing power stuff, that's that's your answer. And that's really true for pretty much everything. If you're doing debugging of like I squared C or Spy, you should really have a logic analyzer as well. Um. <laughs> Thank you, Cams. Unexpected Maker says, I used to be quite patient and explain all of the variables and why I can't give them an answer. Now I almost reply, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> yeah. That's why it's great to have a community that can help you when you're not patient. I do find myself doing like forum support and if I go through the forum and I'm just like, I can't help this person. I just don't, right? Like, I'm not obligated to reply people, and there's other people on the forums that are really helpful too. So I think it's important to remember that of like, you don't have to. Other people could. Um, okay, so getting a compiling is a good thing. I want to do scanning and advertising next. And then once you can do scanning and advertising, then you can do connections. Once you do connections, then you can either go into how do I store my bonding information, which is a whole tangent, or uh, doing the service and characteristic and descriptor discovery stuff, um, which is going to be tricky. So I'm going to start with scanning and advertising, and we'll go from there. Um, and I had to remember to tell myself that um, if I need to reference the code that I was deleting, I could just look at the NRF port. There was like a couple, like I've done some ports before where I just comment everything out because I want it as a reference. But the problem with that is that it makes the diffs when you do a pull request really complicated. Um, so it's much better to just show added code rather than uh, have a bunch of deleted codes, deleted code as well. 
<laughs> he says there's an art to balancing mental health and time when it comes to helping others online. <laughs> Wireless keyboards still scare me with the lack of encryption on most of them. Not that I think that anyone would stiff my keyboard packets. Yep. <laughs> I guess just pointing people at the PPK2 and say, go at it works for me. Um, okay, so I wanted to make more progress on this ESP BLE stuff than I actually did, but uh, Lady Ada was working on both the S3 and the C3 this week, and so what came up was kind of like some more like core issues that we just had to fix. So um, I thought I would just look through, talk those over, and um, just highlight them by like what pull requests I did this week. <laughs> Pierre says, answering the same question over and over, that's why the ZMK folks created their power estimator and they only point to it now. Interesting. I didn't think Zephyr did low power very well. Is that not true? I know that they, I know it's on the radar, but I, I didn't think they had actually done that yet. Okay, let's take a look at pull requests that I've authored. Did a lot this week. Um, okay, so only make CircuitPython read-only with USB. I just did this today, and it's still building. It's a really simple change where um, in main, we will set the internal write the internal file system is writable by USB kind of as we're booting up but uh, I made it I made a change so that if CircuitPy USB is disabled meaning zero then it won't actually make it writable by USB because that makes it not writable from CircuitPython and this came up Jerry was asking about this for the ESP32 C3 um, which doesn't have USB support and you weren't able to just like open a file and write to it but with this change, we will automatically, for all builds that don't have USB, we'll just allow you to write to it directly. Um, and Jerry tested it and said that it works with AMP. So that's a good advanced way of doing CircuitPython on boards that don't have USB. The default second core firmware uses HCI. Yeah, I mean, we have, yeah. I've talked with Lady Ada about supporting the NRF53 and it's just not been, it, you know, it's a mix of price and availability. It's just not been that worth it. If people want to add support for it, I'm open to it. But I think we, we're foreseeing more ESP chips coming and being available like the S3 and the C3. So that's where my focus is right now. And then Jeff's doing floppy disk stuff and Dan's doing uh, more USB work for uh, multiple, for showing multiple mass storage drives through, um, through USB is what Dan's working on. 
Sorry, I had to ban somebody on Twitch. <laughs> I watched this Hackaday presentation of this guy in Dallas that reverse engineered the smart power meters there. Oh, nice. I've been mean I I've YouTube's been recommending that to me. I was curious. I would love to get the readings from my meter here just to know what my power use is. ZMK is a keyboard built on top of Zephyr. They're focusing on the NR52840 but are expanding. Is that if you need to troubleshoot your hardware, you have nothing to work with, unlike CircuitPython or Arduino. Interesting. I didn't think they did low power that well in Zephyr yet, but maybe that's wrong. Foamy guy says multiple drives, like being able to directly see and change files on the SD card plugged into a Pi portal would be amazing. Yes, that's one of the reasons we're doing that. The other is floppy drives. Can you see a theme? Okay, um, so that's one thing I was doing that's not merged in yet. We got this report of a pink feather. Arp RP2040 Feather not working, and we discovered that there was a different flash chip on it. Um, it seems to have worked without this PR, but I wanted to make sure that we had both possible flash chips listed there. Yeah, WebBSK says the Remoticon hash outsmarts a smart meter. Yeah, I think that's... Um, I think that's the one. Live minute-to-minute -minute power reading is the holy grail of collecting your own data. Yeah, I've got some power plugs that, that check it out, but um, I haven't done a lot with that data. That's the, that's the crux. Um, okay, so... Yeah, I did a lot. Let's see. Switch CircuitPython to Core 1 on the S3. That's pretty straightforward. And I talked about that earlier today. Um, and that did cause a couple problems. Um, I did that. And then I also did uh, a fix to fix some builds. The S2 builds weren't working. But uh, I changed... If, if there's no external PSRAM... Um, we had like a hard-coded value for how much heap we would request. Um, and now in CircuitPython, we'll have different values for that for the S3 and the C3. So on the S2, we only request 48K. But now on the S3, because it has 100 and something odd more RAM, um, we request 176K. So the idea being that we like are kind of like resource constrained about like how many connections we have. Um, but we use the rest of that space for the for the CircuitPython heap. So this only applies to boards that don't have external PSRAM, um, but it could be kind of interesting. And then for the C3, it's going to be 88K. So that's your CircuitPython heap size on these different boards. So now it'll vary. Um, and then 
Next, I have the ESP32C3 board, which is the board I was showing earlier. This board here, I added a board definition for. Um, that's in this pull request. And then Lamore reported that uh, with her Wi-Fi demos or Wi-Fi tests, they were crashing a lot. Um, and what I found out is I did a debug build and I loaded it up and uh, discovered that um, there was an assertion error when I was doing a debug build. And the assertion was that I was releasing a lock that was taken on a different core, um, which is very weird. And so I think this is the first CircuitPython multi-core bug that I've ever fixed. Um, so the Wi-Fi stack is running Wi-Fi stack and BLE will be running on the first core circuit, and that's what starts up first. And then it starts up CircuitPython on the second core. Um, but it turns out there's the timer task that the that the ESP uses for timing, both like stuff you want to time and stuff that like Wi-Fi and BLE wants to time, and that runs on the first core as well. And so we use that for supervisor ticks. And so what was happening is that supervisor Tix was calling CircuitPython code from the first core while the second core was still running. Um, and that was a problem. That's, that's how we were getting uh, the first core grabbing a lock that we were trying to manipulate on the second core. Um, the Shelly plugs. <laughs> yeah, the holy grail of whole house collection. So um, basically what I had to do to fix this is the ESP IDF has a way to run IPC calls. So like interprocessor uh, calling. So basically there's a task on each, there's a free R test task on each core, I think, that um, from the other core you can say like, hey, run this and this other free R test task. Um, so that's what this change does is um, in a multi-core environment, we use this ESP IPC call um, to run. Um, so the main task in this case is CircuitPython. So we say call tick on CircuitPython core with the task affinity that matches the main task, which is CircuitPython. Um, and then we have a separate function here. And if we're in a unicore like the S2, we just call it directly. We don't go through that uh, little jump. Um, and there's two different ways of doing these calls. One is blocking, so you wait till it finishes. But we don't actually care about that. We just care that it runs on the same core. So this uh, call that runs on the first core only waits until the function starts on the second one, and then it can give it back, which should be better, hopefully. Um, so that was a thing I fixed. Let's see. I found that NeoPixels were weird. I was being blinded by the NeoPixel on the S3 dev board I have. And one thing was that uh, CircuitPython would float uh, pins that it wasn't using. It would float them, meaning that they... Uh, don't have a pull up or pull down. They just are kind of at the whim of the 
environment <laughs> and therefore that causes like the values to just like bounce and that when the NeoPixels read listening to that floating bounce it can get all sorts of random values out of it um, and so I changed the way that we reset pins on the ESPs uh, we now will call um, the GPIO reset pin which is the IDF version and it ends up pulling up all the pins and that prevents the floating uh, but when I did that I did have to do some tweaks to NeoPixels um, one thing I did is I measured the timing and the timing wasn't spectacular so I tweaked the timing values uh, that are used for it and then I also discovered that um, in the new blinking status patterns that we do in CircuitPython um, NeoPixels in some cases you send them their colors and then you have to wait for a while um, for it to take effect and uh, in particular the new WS2812s have a 300 um, microsecond, microsecond period that they need to be left alone and um, that gets invalidated if we de-init our pins and pull them high really quickly. So uh, these, this is me tweaking the values um, and also adding a buffer of like don't send them so fast that we don't have that. And then <laughs> Uh, then I added a guard in the status LED stuff so that the status LED both wouldn't oh, I guess I don't have the it doesn't worry about sending a subsequent one but it does make sure that um, before we reset the pin we've waited a little, the reset period what I was seeing is that it would like blink on red and then it would deactivate so fast that the red wouldn't go away uh, because the 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 data send for zeros would not be followed by like the the low period that it needed. <laughs> Ham's lab says ah, the phrase pull up is going to have a different meaning in the next year. I know what you're referring to. I think I don't think our kids going to get to pull ups in the first year though. I think it's going to be all diapers all the time. Although pull up I guess could also mean them starting to stand which they will do in the next year. Hmm. BC Hydro allows users to buy a third-party device that can get real-time data for your smart meter. Connect resonance. Hmm. All right, so this NeoPixel stuff also did the reset pin changes. That's what this is. You can see we're, we had this copy of pin reset that floated instead of pulled up, which I got rid of because I insisted on it <laughs> and I shouldn't have. I, have, I, I hadn't realized that l the lower power state for pins is not floating. It's actually, you, it's actually lower power to pull, um, which is somewhat counterintuitive to me. But um, the reason is, is that the pulls are really weak and the uh, what can happen is there's an input buffer. This is like a transistor and that transistor will like alternate and fluctuate with the floating values and actually take more power than, than the pull-up resistor would. Um, which is interesting and I found, a, I found a PDF about that at some point. Uh, so you could find it. 
but basically yeah it's better to actually pull your 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 pins when you're not using them so that's gonna that's a big change and it has knock-on consequences um, for example um, I broke all of the I broke a number of builds which is weird um, like the cutie pie didn't work but the feather did work and the metro did work but the cutie pie didn't work and what I think I figured out is that um, I was <laughs> resetting the flash pins which you shouldn't do because they're in use and uh, so what I did is I refactored like the pins that we just never reset um, so we have this notion of never reset which you can call but then in the implementation for pin resetting you can actually just say like if it's this number we just never do it so I actually made board definitions simpler like any board that has USB will now will just never reset it I did have to add the notion of what double tap pin every board has because double tap is checks whether the value of the pin is high um, and so if you hit the reset button and we had pulled it up you would end up in the UF2 bootloader you wouldn't you wouldn't go back around to CircuitPython so now CircuitPython has to pull that particular pin down to get the right thing um, all right David would like the low power PDF I'll try to find where did I low power pen state with a look at my history was that input, input hmm. oh you know it might be this I think this is it. Avoid floating unused pins. I think this is what my brain's thinking of. I will post a link. I tried to look for something ESP specific, but wasn't able to find it. Okay, so I, I simplified a lot of this. And there were some boards that were already never resetting the flash and RAM pins, which I deleted them here because further down in the port, I just made it blanket do that. So there's now this internal reset pin if you're on S2 or S3, then this range of pins never get reset. If you're doing octal spy RAM, which some of the S3 modules do, then these five additional pins are in that category. 
If you have USB, then 19 and 20 are considered. If you're on a C3, then there's different flash pins there. Um, and then besides that, then we'll reset it. And if it's a double tap pin, we change the pull-up values. So. So yeah, I tweaked that. And then I changed the the comp compiler optimization for debug builds because it didn't fit when I was debugging it. So yeah, that brings us to now. So unexpected maker said earlier that the S3 wasn't working, so maybe I will just try it on what I've got here. Let's just test it. <laughs> I just restarted my computer, so I'm going to have to do the environment stuff. This is the C3 writable build, so it's fine to just do. Pretty good on timing. Oops, I always do that. I have it working if I build from IDF 44RC1. You had to change the IDF version that we're on? Is the RC1 newer? We're currently building off a Adafruit branch of the IDF. Seems when circuit by them boots, the serial device is no longer available. The serial, you mean the UART serial? I think that should be only enabled if you're doing a debug build. I think it's how we do it. I was frustrated with the, not the C3, not the C3, but the QDPI S2 doesn't have the default UART broken out, which was kind of annoying when I was debugging it. Um, okay, let me do UART. Just built against my IDF install. Circuit Python is using 4.4 dev. USB serial device. No, it should work. USB serial should work on the S3. We'll see. We'll test it. Just going to update. Or 
build mine. Oh, are you on S2 and it's not working? Let me tell you, these S3 dev boards are quite nice. I wish there was an S2 in this version. Having the two USB plugs on has been spoiling me. I actually have a Feather S2 right on my desk, though, that I can test with as well. But I don't know why it wouldn't work. Can I open port? I thought you were meaning it wasn't working on S3. As far as I know, it should be working. But there is stuff. There is an S2 version with two USB ports? Really? How do I get this? Products, dev kits, dev kit C. Oh, I want dev kit M, don't I? Thirty two more dev kits. Where's that take me? S three series. I thought it was dev kits. Oh, the Gravitech cucumber boards. Ah, here we go. <laughs> it has all the S3 pins exposed. <laughs> but yeah, that looks like what I want. Yeah, these Salas are the ones that are older. All right, does DigiKey have these? I don't know, does Adafruit carry them? Nope. I shall order these. If I can actually get them. Exact match. Can ship immediately. Look who's going to make a DigiKey order today. <laughs> Like, I'm sold on that, I'll tell you that much. It doesn't have... Should I get two? Sure, why not? Oh, I've got Neopixels in my cart. I'm pretty sure I got these. Those are for my keyboard. Oh, there is a All right. Oh, 
RF evaluation boards and kits in stock. I don't care about part status. And let's just do espresso. Let's see what they got. S2 Sala is not what I want. C3, this is what I have. 32 dev kit. I just got here. Why is Scott getting the old and busted S2 board? I want the dual. Yeah, I have. I only have the Sala. I think I've got an e enough ESP 32s. Pico kit. This is the S3 kit. Ethernet. <laughs> I am not going to miss the Sela. This only's got. This is the Solo. What is this one? Sorry if you can hear my fan. I don't know why it's spinning up. They don't have the flash, or they don't have the RAM, but that's okay. <laughs> it's kind of weird that Espresso didn't put a second USB connector on the Sala. I think they learned their lesson. Oh, with one... I don't want the U one if I can get away with it. If it had mesh kit, Pico Zero. C3. All right, well, I think that's the one I want. That'll be nice. <laughs> I like their naming. I like their newer naming scheme, the like N and then the R. N for flash, R for RAM. That board should have two megabytes PS RAM. All right, well, let's... You know what I like to do on DigiKey? I know usually I'm not aware of this category, but what I like to do is I like to do in stock, usually new products and then sort by price. But um, because this category is not on my radar, I like to just do impulse buy. Mouser's got a dev kit. Let's 
see. I want singles. I'm not, I don't care what the price is if I buy 10,000. Look at that. Surprise, surprise, it's all the ESPs. But yeah, I have no love loss for this Salva form factor. But I think that all of these solos are don't have RAM in them. I'll just these again. Oh, is this still with espresso filming? Oh yeah. I don't know how that got in there. <laughs> 8266, 433, Cypress Bluetooth board, Micromod update tool. Hmm. Hey, a feather. <laughs> USB programmer, more Cypress BLE. Is that the, like they, Cypress bought the Wi-Fi division from Broadcom. We were just talking, we were talking about the S2 and just being able to easily test it. I was saying how much I like these S3 boards and somebody pointed out that there is an S2 board with two USBs on it as well. So I was like, oh, does DigiKey have it? And they do. So now I'm going to be like, what else should I buy from DigiKey? Since I'm going to make an order. I don't think there's any espresso dev kits that I need. I think it's fun that there's, like, I have this, I think. It's funny that there's Adafruit stuff in here. Cypress. Nordic NRF52840 dongle. I already have that. Network transmit stuff I don't care about. My, like, impulse buy is, like, 20 bucks or less. which can get me into trouble. Let's be real. Smart speaker dev kit. Oh, from M5 stack, interesting. Dialogue, LoRaWAN. JTAG across USB. S3 Maroon. I think I picked up the Amoeba one. This is a module, actually. Daughter card. The Artemis. Serial to Ethernet. 
Did you expect me to just browse DigiKey on the stream? <laughs> yeah, I wish I should go through my dev boards and decide which ones I don't want still. But they they can be really handy if you need to debug stuff. Blue Gecko from Silicon Labs. I always wanted to like use a Scilabs thing, but never never found the one that was worth it. P socks. P socks require that like separate IDE. <laughs> Better you browsing than me, I'd be impulsing buying all the things. I have a lot of these things already. <laughs> browsing DigiKey on the live stream has proved popular by Lamore. Yeah. We'll definitely check out the microcontroller dev kit category as well. Thanks, Paul. Have a good night. I know we're gonna we're, we've run out of time here. Um I don't think I see anything. Usually what I'll do is I, I won't look through everything like I'm looking through now. I'll only look at um, new stuff, which I'm about to do. I'm always looking to see what the new microcontrollers are. Um, ESP32 power over Ethernet. Interesting. I don't usually look at this category. That's what I so I'm here. NDK with case. That's kind of neat. Z-Wave. Hmm. Z-Wave could be cool for home automation stuff. All right. Let's get out of here. Out of this... <laughs> I do want to look at the dev kits too. Maybe I won't do that on the stream. Um, I should finish my thought with this. So let's just hit reset. And actually switch the USB over to native USB. And we should see it pop up. Unless it is broken. Which it looks like it might be. Well, bummer. Maybe I didn't fix the issue. It doesn't even start up for me. Okay. What are we doing? Yeah, so it's RTC software CPU reset. That's probably what's happening. How is it broken again? So it's not just you, Unexpected Maker.
Sometimes it mounts, sometimes it doesn't. This is interesting here. Hmm. Let's see if a debug build. All right, we should call it because I know people kind of plan around the two hour mark. Um, all right, well, let me wrap up. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow along, I'll probably keep working on this. I just won't be streaming. So join the Discord server. Uh, we're chatting there. Um, We'll probably chat in CircuitPython Dev. Uh, you can join by going to the URL adafru.it slash discord. I'm going to take a look at this Espressive bug and also make an order from DigiKey. Um, thank you all for hanging out. Let me, I'll switch to here. Uh, as always, my name is Scott. I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. You want to support me, uh, you can do that by supporting Adafruit. They pay me to do these streams. Uh, and they pay me to work on CircuitPython. You can do that by going to adafruit.com, purchasing hardware there. Uh, we were on DigiKey just a little bit before. Remember that if it's out of stock on adafruit.com, it might be in stock on DigiKey. Uh, so don't forget to, to check that out as well. If you do want to join the Discord, the URL is adafru.it slash Discord. Uh, go ahead and ch check that out. Um, Again, I think next week, I haven't checked my calendar, but we should be on Friday. Um, we do have a limited time period for deep dives because, again, we're having a kid. And so that's not going to happen. Um, we'll get some cat pets in here. Don't worry. Uh, last up, I want to say thank you to Patrick and, and David for doing notes and collating them and linking them up. So uh, thank you both. Thanks, David, for taking notes. Patrick, thanks for getting them in the repo. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, please, if you haven't done a CircuitPython 2022, I'd love to hear what you have in mind for that. Um, consider it like uh, we have one last week, and then we'll kind of like close it down, and I'll stop bugging people. So with that, uh, thank you all. I'll take the mic off, pet the cat, and uh, keep on working after that. So we'll go to cat cam. usually gets on my lap after the stream so I wake him up and get him excited Have a great weekend, everyone.